Well, good morning, everybody. Yeah, great to see you. Excellent. Love being here. It's just a really lovely atmosphere, and um, good to see you all again. Well, if you're family and friends of um, the Dedication family, I want to say that we really appreciate you coming. And so thank you very much. This may not be your normal place of being here, and if that's the case, we're so appreciative of you being here. And again, if you're a visitor, it's great to have you here as well. Thank you for coming. Well, it's a dedications morning, and I did want to address parents, but um, I just want you to know it's not my sole aim. So there should be something in here for every one of us, uh, really with the aspect of helping us to appreciate and um, getting the best out of others, really. So... uh, Des and I, when we were young parents, which apparently was quite a while ago, um, the, the, the reading of the day was a chap called James Dobson. And he wrote a number of books. And one of his books was Parenting is Not for Cowards. And uh, it was a great title, really. And uh, I mean, for some of you, it's too late. You know this anyway. So, but Because it, it's tough. It's tough work. It takes tenacity. It takes persistence. If your parent here, just nod your head. You know all of this. It takes a depth of love you didn't realize you had in you. It takes that, and uh, it takes incredible endurance. Some might say it is the most challenging job a human being can have. And uh, I can hear all these amens going around the room. And uh, Rick Warren, who I found quite inspirational for, uh, for, for this, He said that he's the author of The Purpose Driven Life. And he said it's not by accident that parenting starts with a process called labor. And then he says, and that's the easy part. I just wondered if his wife shared the same view. It seemed a very masculine statement to make. Anyway, the point is made, though. It's not... It's not for the faint-hearted. And the strange thing is this. (laughs) You get no dry run. There's no practice runs. (laughs) So your child's learning, you're learning. And and by the time they've grown up and gone, you're just thinking, I'm just getting a handle on this. So it's a really bizarre situation. We're going to Ephesians chapter 2. So we're going to verse 10. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. The words will come up on the screen. If you do have a Bible, it's always helpful to know where Ephesians is. So uh, Ephesians 2 and verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork. Bertram Russell, who was a British philosopher, mathematician, a very logical guy, he described himself as an atheist. And yet he said this, unless you assume a God, the question of life's purposes is meaningless. This is an atheist saying this. Unless you assume a God, the question of life's purpose is meaningless. The Bible clearly states we are God's handiwork. That means you're not your own handiwork. It means you're not your own project. 
It means your child's life is not your project. It's really important to get this. Your life is God's project. God did not create, God did not create you or your child to be anyone else but who you are and who they are. He determined your natural gifts and abilities and limitations. So the first thing I want to highlight this morning is that we are God's handiwork, meaning we are unique. Everyone in this room is unique, and every child is different. You know, no handprint is the same, is it? No handprint is the same. No toe print is the same. Just love this picture. Just love the picture. You know, there's nothing like a baby's toes, is there? No toe print is the same. Your eye is unique. In fact, even your two irises are different. Your lip print is one of a kind. The shape of your ears, and you think, well, most people have got the same shape of ears or whatever. No, it's unique. Everything's unique. God could have mass produced us. I think it might have been easier. But he loves diversity. He just loves diversity. You know, you see it in all of creation. I haven't got time to go through all of that. But just the, uh, Wednesday morning. I mean, I don't know what you had up here in Haysbury. I suspect you had the same. But we had a snow flurry Wednesday morning. Do you know, and suddenly all these flakes started coming down from the sky. And I quite like it. You know, I like snow. I know some people have a adverse reaction to that. But I, I like snow. When you, when you see it snowing this winter, this is not a prophecy, by the way, um, I hope we do see it, but and we see loads of snow coming down. Every single snowflake is different. Every single snowflake. It's unique. So God does this. He loves diversity. You're God's handiwork. You're custom made. You're uniquely designed. In the Bible, in Psalm 139, it says, For you created me. In my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I hope you get that. Wonderfully, wonderfully, fearfully, beautifully made. God loves diversity. And every child is unique. Now, some people are great with numbers. And some are brilliant at words. And others are amazingly artistic. And some are evidently artistically challenged. That's me. I'm in that category. Do you know, Christmas time can be a bit of a love-hate relationship with me, especially when the board games come out and everybody goes, let's play Pictionary. Who likes Pictionary, by the way? Can I just... Okay, nice to see you. Not coming to your house. Okay, now, um, who loves Pictionary? I mean, it's just... People, oh, Pictionary, and my heart sinks. I go, oh, no, I hate this game. Am I allowed to say that? I I really dislike this game. And then uh, because I I can make a disaster out of a stick man drawing. I can. can, That that is natural. I mean, I know it's unnatural, but I do that. And then there's the game, which is the worst game of every game, and it's called Rapido. Ugh! Ugh, that is a horrible game. Who does this? 
This is Play-Doh. It's rubbish. I know some of you love this. Who's got Play-Doh? I mean, Rapido. Go on, put your hands up. Not many. Take a note of that. It's advertised as a fast-paced game as you shake things with the dough. Listen, I can make this the most slow, dull, boring day you've ever had in your life if I am playing this game. And that's before I've even put my hands on the Play-Doh. Not everybody loves Pictionary. Everybody, please hear this. Um, We are wonderfully different. And parents, you need to see and appreciate your child's uniqueness. And because every child is different, you cannot treat them all the same. I mean, you'll have principles in your family life. You can't treat them all the same. Some, this works with this and this works with the other. You can't treat them all the same. You often hear people say this, you can be anything you want to be. Heard that one? You can be anything you want to be. It's a myth. It's a myth. I've watched enough episodes of X Factor to know that that is patently untrue. I mean, some of them, I'm sure. Um, some, I know there's an entertainment factor in all of that. I get that. I understand that. But some of them just can't sing. That's how it is. Furthermore, their friends that they have around them are also devoid of any musical comprehension whatsoever. They are not friends. They are painful. So parents, you want to help your child appreciate and accept their own uniqueness. You're God's handiwork. We're all wired differently. Some people are good at teaching and others are fantastic with their hands and mechanically or whatever. They're just brilliant. And some really annoying people are good at everything. But um, some people make excellent salespeople. When I worked at the Abbey National Building Society, we had this um, salesperson from an insurance company. So insurance company salespeople is not people's top of the list. He was fantastic. I mean, he was quite extraordinary, really. He was trustworthy. He was good with people. And he was honest. And if they got presented with an illustration that didn't work for life cover or mortgage cover or pension cover, he'd tell them, I don't think this is going to work for you. I don't think this, this is not, this isn't going to work for you. And he would, he would be so honest. And we used to give out these uh, opportunities to at least two or three people to insurance salesmen. He would get it most of the time, 80%. 80%. Because people trust him. Don't, don't knock salespeople, by the way. Some are so good at this. They're really good. So uh, Romans 12 tells us we have different gifts. Serving, teaching, encouraging, leading. God works with different people and in different ways. Parents, just know your child, please. Know your children and just get the whole thing. They are different. And if you manage people, know your people and know how they work and know how to manage them. Why should they be any different? We need to do these things. Because everybody's so different. That word, um, handiwork, it's like, uh, it's got an artistic hint to it. Like like a musical piece. Or a specific work of art. 
such a sculpture. It's, it's, it's particular. And there's something particular and wonderful about every person. And what's more, you're never too young to flourish. Mozart was composing brilliant music at the age of five. Don't press your child to be a Mozart, by the way. All right? So, but having said all of that, uniqueness faces challenges. So the, I just highlighted two challenges here. One is the pressure to compare, and the other is the pressure to conform. We live in a world that loves to compare. We just do that. If you're on social media, you will see that it is a mammoth comparison tool. It's just a mammoth comparison tool. So somebody sends you a picture of their idyllic holiday that they're on. How wonderful. This is their holiday in, uh, in France. And then they'll show you this lovely picture. You think, now if you like beaches, which I do, I think, oh, that's great. That's really, lo- I like that. What's more, do you know, there's not a lot of people on the beach either. So it's pretty good. It's, I like it. And then I send back mine. Because I like them to know what they're missing. Okay. Now, seriously, social media is relentless. Because, of course, you get the highlights. Understand this. You get the highlights of people's lives. You get the airbrushed parts of people's lives. You get the edited highlights. You could think that this is their normal life. Listen, it's the highlights. You see the holidays that they go on and... And the occasions that they're having, and the meals that they're eating, and the lifestyle they're enjoying, and the fun-filled life that they have. It is highlights, my friends. But the thought comes to you, do you know what? My life is so boring. I think my life is boring. And then I must be really dull to be around all these fun-filled people. Or... Do you know, I'm the same age as them. I have nothing like this. I must have seriously made a wrong turning in life. You know, watch the comparison stuff here. The pressure to compare is everywhere. We compare people academically. At an incredibly young age, I might add. We compare people's jobs, their grades, how sporty they are. We compare appearances. We compare the house that we have now, which we really enjoyed, compared to now the house that we think, I wish I had. I wish I had that. I wish I had that. And that's a continued goes, you know, I wish I, I wish I, I wish I. We have IQ tests, which I would like to tell you are limiting. Doesn't measure musical intelligence. It doesn't measure spatial intelligence. It doesn't measure interpersonal intelligence, which if you're going to manage people, you most definitely need. Furthermore, it's not a measurement for common sense. Do get that. So these are, there are enough examples there of people who've made great lives for themselves without massive academic achievements. So I'm not saying that education is not important. But you can bet your bottom life in this culture, in this area, it is. 
So watch it. You have to watch it, parents. You don't want to hold up education as the golden coin of human worth. Don't do that. Don't do that. In our grammar school area, please be careful. Children face pressures of comparison every day. Don't you believe it? It's tougher now than it ever was. Are they in the cool crowd or the uncool crowd? What sort of mobile phone do you have? You know, and the trainers. What trainers do you wear? Somebody said to me that the first thing a young person in assessing others is to note their trainers. I tell you, it's a tough world. So we, they need a lot of affirmation. And a lot more than that. I don't have time. Now, parents, a word to you. You know, God designed you to be you. So when your life is over, God will not ask you whether, why, he won't say, why, you, why weren't you a Moses or a David or a Queen Esther for your day? Why weren't you like that? Or why weren't you the mom or dad that you admire the most and wish you were like that? Why weren't you like that? He won't, he won't say that. He said, why weren't you you? Why weren't you just you? See, we live under the pressure of comparisons all the time. If you do this game, it will stunt you and it will shrink you. Henri Nguyen says this. He says, spiritual greatness has nothing to do with being greater than others. It has everything to do with being as great as you can be. And I would say only you can be. And the Apostle Paul writes this. He said, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone. Here, not comparing themselves to someone else. In another place, he says, it's just foolishness. Not only the comparisons, it's foolishness. The pressure of comparison is an enemy to our uniqueness. Now, secondly, there's a pressure to conform. The gospel is about transformation. Not about being conformed. It's about transformation. That's the wonder of the life of Jesus Christ. It's transformation. It says in uh, Romans 12, it says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Be transformed. How do you do that? By the renewing of your mind. You need to think differently. Let me just read this excerpt here. When Nelson Mandela was imprisoned on uh, Robbins Island for his opposition to South Africa's apartheid, he was issued with a pair of shorts, not long trousers, because his captors wanted his identity to be that of a boy instead of a man. People in power over him wanted him to be a docile acceptor of a racist society. Conversely, angry people who suffered with him, wanted, to be avenge, wanted him to be a vengeful hater of their oppressors. Mandela was neither. During 27 years in prison, he suffered, learned, and grew. He called the prison the university. He became increasingly committed to justice, to oppose hate, and uh, by the end of his captivity, even his guards were won over by his life. When he went from prisoner to president... He sought to lead the country to peace through the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And it was established on the biblical principle that the truth shall make you free. Quite a guy. Quite a guy. Actually, just on that matter about shorts, 
he refused to wear the shorts because none of his fellow black prisoners were, were offered the same. So he refused to wear them until every one of them could have long trousers. He refused to wear this until every one of them could have long trousers. He was quite a guy, stood up for things. Wouldn't be conformed the way his captor, you know, his captors wanted to, to make him. So we don't, there's a pressure to conform, and it comes from all directions. We have world values such as sex, salary, appearance, possessions, power. Don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God is saying that I don't want you to be like anybody else or everybody else. I want you to be who I made you to be. There's your task, parents. Accept their uniqueness and release their uniqueness. That verse we often equate here in Romans 12 too. Uh, we often see that as peer pressure. And we tell our kids, don't follow the crowd. Don't let them squeeze you into the mob. The thing is this, is that parents often want their children to conform, to fit the pattern. So I'm just, be careful with this. This could be more about you than it could be about your child. So, well, how do, I, how do I work that out? How do I know whether it's more about me than it is the child? Well, quite simply, you don't insist on people or your children being like you. I mean, naturally, we want them to like the things that we like, and we want them to be interested in things that we're interested in. It's like if we like sport, we want them to be interested in sport. It's quite natural. If we're good at a particular area, we want them to be good at that too. But you mustn't forget that they are unique. And to be fair, let's think about this. I'm looking around the room here. And I am asking the question, does this world need a mini version of you? Just just a thought. Does this world need a mini version of you? Surely, just one of you is enough, isn't it? I've just been trying to be kind here, but surely just one of you. If you're married, your husband will turn to you, darling, just one of you. Is enough. And the wife will turn to the husband, you better believe it. Yeah, one of you is enough too. You know, and, and one of us is enough. We don't need a mini version. So conforming can often, be, can often come from parents. We want them to like what we like. We want them to do the things that we do. And it's quite natural. But you mustn't forget that your children are wonderfully unique and you want to flourish them to flourish in what they flourish in. And not all your children will do the same. And the pressure to conform is a real challenge. I've met on occasions parents, they're parents themselves and they're still trying to be the son or daughter that their own parents wanted them to be. Please hear this. They're still trying to do that. They're still living under the shadow of the expectations of their parents. In some cases, the parents have died, but the shadow lives on. And they're still trying to be that son or daughter that they felt they never were. And they're still trying to do it. The pressure to conform is huge. It doesn't just stop there either. You know, when we get married, 
we can find ourselves if we're not careful trying to be the partner my partner wants me to be. Or I go to a job and then I squeeze myself into mold trying to be the person my boss wants me to be. Not just doing the job, but the person my boss wants me to be. The Bible says that the fear of man is a snare. And we can end up as people pleasers. So the starting point of bringing out the best in others, the best in your kids, and the best in one another, is accepting our uniqueness completely. You want them to flourish in who they are. Now, second thing we must do, apart from their uniqueness, is to affirm them, affirm their worth constantly. I'm not an expert at this. Uh, every parent here, I suspect many parents here will say, Do you know, I wish we could have had a rerun. Doesn't work like that. However, you can do this today. You can do the affirmation today. You can start this today. Everyone, uh, Rick Warren says, everyone has a deep hole for appreciation and affirmation. And as far as I'm aware, the hole never gets filled. Don't ever think that that hole is filled. I don't think you can give too much affirmation to one another, to people at work, to your wife, to your husband. I don't think you can do it too much. But it does need to be this, constant. It needs to be constant. We're fed a regular diet of our failings. There's an interesting phrase that comes up when I ask people to come to church. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? They say, I know it's a bit of an escape room. Do you know, I'm, just, I'm, I'm not good enough to go to church. I'm not good enough to go to church. I love that line. I mean, I think it's a great, <laughs> I'm not good enough. Uh, well, who is? Who is? You know, I want to invite them here and go, okay, so who is good enough? Who's, who's good enough? There are far more negatives coming at us than positives. So why do we want to affirm the worth of our children and others? They're custom made, that's why. They're made, they're custom made. You didn't come off an assembly line. You're one of a kind. That can come across in two different ways. You're just one of a kind, you are. Or you're just one of a kind. You know, you get a money, don't you? You buy... Because I'm looking here, it's great affluence among us. So actually, I'll forget the Monet. <laughs> now, if you, you get a Monet, and the reason that it's so valuable is because of who painted it. That's why it's so valuable. I mean, anybody would have a Monet because of the painter. Well, you're custom made. Why are you so valuable? Oh, God has created you. He's made you. It's just, you are wonderful like that. You created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. That's why. Why, why do we need to affirm our, our, the worth of our children and others? Because of the price that was paid for you. I had a car that went, it just died in March. It just died. And I, I asked around, you know, who would pay for this car that's died Guess what? I didn't get much. I didn't get much. But when we look at our price, all you have to do is look at the cross. And just in case you're here, you think, oh, well, you know, it's just a tragic accident. No, it wasn't. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just one of those things that happened. No, no, it wasn't. He died for our sins. 
He came for us. You want to know how valuable you are? Look to the cross. Jesus died for you. What, what for? To give you a new life. To have a new, t- new life in Christ. To be a, a new person. To start all over again. To be forgiven. To know what it is to be clean inside. Wow, that's a gift. That's your price. And furthermore, he sent his spirit to live in us. I'm not leaving you on your own. I'm going to give you the power to live this life. I'll fill you with my spirit. Time's gone. Three things. To affirm the worth of our children. One, visual. Give them your attention. Daddy, daddy, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. How many times have I got to look at you? Look at me, look at me. Mommy, mommy, look at me, look at me. They love to be looked at. Don't miss it. I know you can't look at them all the time. I get that. But don't forget the visual appreciation. It means wonders to them. They're asking you, not anybody else. Why you? Because you are so special to them. So give them visual attention. Secondly, give them physical attention. Your children need touch. Skin is meant to experience touch. It's impossible. You know, if possible, it's the first thing the midwife does is to put the baby on the tummy of the mom. First thing. Why touch is so important. Affirm your child with touch. I remember the survivors of the Labrook, one of the survivors of the Labrook train crash in 1999. It was a terrible crash, terrible crash. And I heard this woman say, the thing that kept me through was this one of, my, one of the rescuers, he just held my hand. He just held my hand for ages. And he brought skin on skin. Affirm with touch. And finally, affirm with words. Tell them how valuable they are. Don't do it in generalities either. Be specific. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Affirm people with words. And be specific. R.C. Sproul, he's the writer of many books. He's just recently died, actually. He's a um, great theologian and author. And when he was young, he had a piece of work, an English composition, and the teacher stuck it up on the board. The board was for artwork, but she stuck his up there for our work, the essay that he'd written. And underneath it, she wrote, R.C., don't anybody ever tell you you cannot write. What? It's a memorable compliment. He's written many books. And he would say, the times he was told, just don't bother, just don't bother, just don't bother. But the teacher said, R.C., don't let anyone tell you that you can't write. Amen? So, your children are custom made and affirm them constantly. Bless you. Thank you.